Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Partilopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Ravello, he's Richard Garman. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank. We've been better, huh? Oh, we've yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just a game. Just keep reminding yourself. It's just, it's a, just game. a game. How was your Thanksgiving? You oh, my Thanksgiving was wonderful. Good. Um, we had my wife's family over, um, and then we had my mother over, and and uh, it's real simple. I, you know, everybody comes over. Uh, I cook the turkey. Everybody else has to make the side dishes. I, that's you know, that's all I want. So, uh, uh, so that's how it worked out. Uh, it was good. How about yourself? Yeah, had a, had a good one with the immediate family. Um, Friday felt a little ill, but I mean, other than that, it was great. Weather was good. Fall weather, nice and cold today and and yesterday. So uh, I can't complain, really, honestly. So, but yeah, lots winter, of good calcio. Winter is upon us. Yeah, lots of good calcio, lots of bad calcio, and then whatever that was, Milan did today. Yeah. Uh, so hey, we'll, at least Azuri uh, qualified, right? Yeah, the Azuri qualified for the Euros. That was great. Um, so uh, we'll uh, we'll have a conversation about that later. We have got plenty to talk about. Haven't been with you guys in a couple of weeks. Obviously, we take our break during the international break, um, unless Italy were to somehow fail to qualify. <laughs> but you know what? They probably they with their coefficient with the Nations League performances, they would have qualified uh, to play off uh, for one of the last three uh, spots. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll get into a conversation about that. Pot four. What that mean? What that means? It may basically means they're going to be in an awfully difficult group. Um, based on how the pots are laid out, we'll get into that conversation. Uh, but uh, we have um, a, a big match to recap that took place on Sunday, uh, and uh, we got some help uh, to break that all down. Uh, so we've got a, we've got uh, uh, supporters from each club, uh, and uh, let me uh, start with who are we starting with? Let's start um, with uh, Julian from Calcio with Julian. Julian Fascino. Yeah. Football, uh, Julia, Julian, uh, football writer and analyst for at underscore GIFN, Serie A Total, and Cult of Calcio. Uh, and I believe that this is Julian's second cap with us here at the Serie A Sit Down. Ciao, Julian. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. And right, indeed, it's uh, it's my second cap. Uh, always looking forward to talking to Serie A with you guys. Wonderful, wonderful, and uh, we're we're happy to have you. And then also uh, making his debut out of Vancouver, Canada, uh, Soccer Talk Italian Syria Soccer Syria Champions League and Italian national team. Uh, we welcome Reno Zarini, Juve fan. Ciao, Reno. Welcome. Uh, your first time as a guest here at the City I Sit Down. Yes, it's my first time, and thank you very much for inviting me. It's a great pleasure to be here. You're welcome. You're absolutely welcome. So we've got uh, we've got Milanisti, we've got Juventini, we've got Interisti. That's all that matters. In our, in our, in our oh boy, it's going to be a good one tonight. <laughs> We're going to recap this Juve Inter match, and we want you two to play nice while we do this. So. No, no problem. Okay, no, no, trying to get a Juventino, trying to get a Juventino and an Interisti to uh, play nice. So we try, we try. <laughs> 
So, uh, Richard, take it away with uh, Juventus and Inter. Yeah, it's a little bit of a big game, right? Uh, Derby yeah. d'Italia, as they call it, the Italian Derby. Uh, huge game, obviously, between number one and number two in the table, Inter and Juventus. Juventus being the home team in this one at the Alliance Stadium. Uh, game of the weekend, honestly, just, just from brand alone. Uh, obviously, two of the biggest brands in the league. And so, uh, very interesting game. Curious to see how this one was going to pan out because... Inter have been on a freaking roll this year, Julian. You know all about this. Inter just been beating everybody clinically, multi-different ways of winning their games. Juventus surprising a lot of people, maybe, maybe not, uh, with the way they're playing. They're getting results. Allegri just gets results is what he does. Whether you like the way he plays or not, doesn't matter. Results happen. Uh, let's look at the lineup, gentlemen. First, start with Juventus. Um, Reno... Starting 11 goes as this. You got Walter Chesney and uh, Wojciech Chesney and goal, excuse me. Back three of Rugani, Bremer, and Gatti. Uh, yeah, midfield five of Kostic, uh, excuse me, Kostic, Rabio, Nicolusi. Starting getting the starting lineup. McKenny and Capiaso with Vlahovic, Chiesa up top. Reno, thoughts on the starting 11 uh, going into this match? Uh, were you satisfied with this? What were your thoughts on Nicolusi getting the start in this one? Well, thank you for asking. That's what I was going to say with. But Nicolucci Cavi, I was pretty, I was happy that he joined. It was surprising to have him uh, playing, but he did a good performance. He, he did some mistakes, yes, but as his first time playing a big match like uh, uh, Juve Inter, you know, I was pretty impressed. So, but in general, we expect a 3 5 2 from Allegri then for the first time after a long time seeing Case of Vavich together. They played good. I was happy about Keza. Thank God Valwich scored. Then, uh, of course, the Inter side, pretty much they did kind of the same goal. Assets, boom, to Lautaro. But I can't complain. That's that's how it, it, I was protected. 3-5-2, then uh, typical. Well, the first half was okay. Then afterwards, it was kind of a little bit boring as a typical Allegri style, but... I, unfortunately, I'm too used to it. <laughs> Frank, uh, the starting eleven from Juventus. You know, obviously, Chiesa, Vlahovic going to get all the all the plaudits in this one. But uh, you know, guys like you know, especially that right hand side with McKinney, Cambiaso, and Gatti. That back three is also going to have to get you know be on their game with the, the attack that that Juve have. Or excuse me, the Inter have. Um, did you feel this this Inter or excuse me this Juve lineup was pretty strong coming into this game, and they had a good chance to? you know, play the counter and, and do what Allegri likes to do in these kind of games? On on paper, you, if you just look strictly on paper, you favor Inter's lineup over Juventus's. Okay. Especially, you know, with some relative lack of experience in the Juve setup, but it's how Allegri set Juventus up that allowed them to, to stay in the match, you know, and, and, and ultimately in the, in the end, get a point. You know, one thing that you saw straight away, you, they, they let Inter have the ball. Um, and we've been saying for years, and I know Julian might, might attest to this as somebody who watches Inter extremely closely. How do you make Inter uncomfortable? You give them the ball. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They want to counter you. Uh, they want to get on the break. They want, they want Lataro to have space. Uh, they want Chalinolu now to pick the pass from the deeper lying positions. They want Dumfries bombing forward. They want DeMarco uh, maybe being able to provide some early crosses down the left if he doesn't get all the way forward. So uh, Juventus lets Inter have the ball, and then if you paid attention, they overloaded the penalty area. Um, I mean, they for large periods of time, they sought to outnumber Turam and Lataro. They, they lived with 
Chalinolu maybe taking a chance from distance or DeMarco having a chance, taking a chance from distance. Um, some of that goes to the trust that the Juventus players have in Chesney as a goalkeeper. Um, that would, you know, a goalkeeper of that, of that ability and that experience, you're going to let guys shoot 35 yards out all day long and you're going to trust the goalkeeper to make the save. And I thought I saw a lot of that in the first half. And I thought that where some teams tend to just take their chances, man marking the two forwards for Inter, when enter in possession, that's a recipe for disaster. But you saw more numbers dropping off into the penalty area. You, they let Inter play in the midfield. And I think that limited a lot of things. Really, the only way Inter was going to score on Juventus was on the counter, which they did, or on set pieces. I remember there was one in the uh, at, at the very beginning that Turam got his head on uh, that Chesney saved. So, um, you know, so on paper, you like Inter's lineup better, but um, I, I – Really, really like the way Allegri set out to have his team set up in this match um, and how he just tried to keep the dangerous players uh, for Inter to be to be uh, to to threaten from dangerous positions. Now, Julian, I think what the theme we're getting here is that how good the Inter lineup was, and even Anthony in the chat saying how this is like the perfect lineup for for Inter for this kind of matchup. You had obviously Jan Sommer in goal with the back three of Acerbi, De Vrij, and Darmian. Middle uh, middle midfield five of Di Marco, Mikatarian, Chalonolu, Barella, and Dumfries with Taram and Lautaro up top. Obviously, on paper, this is a strong lineup. It, it seems like a perfect matchup for, you know, their 3-5-2 against Juve's 3-5-2. Did you feel confident going into this game? How did you feel with, with this lineup and, and knowing that Allegri is probably going to give Inter most of the ball for most of this game and if you're going to play a little bit out of your comfort zone? So in terms of lineup, it was pretty much what I expected. I think this is given the 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 the, the players at uh, Inzaghi's disposal. This was the best team, perhaps. Uh, although, uh, like he adapted, he remodeled the back line due to the injuries of Benjamin Pavard and uh, and uh, Bastoni heading into this important fixture. Uh, a lot of people undermined it. I think uh, Darmian and Devray, like due to the lack of playing time, but. Uh, I had a good feeling that they would play well, that they would fit seamlessly given the, the incredible form that the Devrai has been on uh, since since, uh, since the start of the season. And uh, Darmian as well has put on some impressive displays with the, uh, with the Italian international team and so forth. So I was pretty confident. And uh, I was a little bit nervous in the sense that uh, I was scared that uh, Inter would uh, force the play a little bit too much because sometimes they have a tendency of going forward uh, quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And against uh, this Allegri side, this uh, way he sets up, it's a big no. Uh, it's a side that you can't really force the play on. They're really uh, strong defensively. And they always look to force, uh, they always look on those forced upon errors and they uh, pretty much capitalize on them very often. So that was my main concern. But uh, from the start of the game, I really saw that the Inzaghi uh, slowed down the tempo. You saw Inter possessing the, the ball. And uh, I was just hoping for Inter to just possess the ball, try to shoot uh, the ball, circulate the ball from side to side, and try to break down uh, Juventus with patience. And it it seemed to be going well uh, from the get-go. I thought uh, Dumfries and Di Marco were a little bit poor, like, out wide. Like, I think their their, uh, distribution out wide was uh, a little bit below par uh, compared to the other performances that they had. Uh, defensively, I feel like Inter collectively was really strong. The back three was very solid, uh, anticipated pretty much almost every play 
from uh, Juventus. And in the midfield, Inter uh, dominated, I feel like. Barella and uh, Chalahanglu uh, linked up very well. Chalahanglu really exposed the Juventus's lack of experience in the midfield. Like, I feel like his line breaking, he made the, quite a few like line breaking passes. So I feel like Inter were at ease and uh, were playing well up until when Dumfries did a horrible first touch and caused a forced error. And Juventus uh, capitalized on that greatly. Uh, Vlaovic sent uh, uh, Chiesa on the run and uh, on the on a progressive run and uh, with his back facing the goal, incredible through ball. And uh, Chiesa did brilliant to uh, to find uh, to pinpoint of Vlaovic in the, cent- the central area of the box and and score the opener. At that point, I was really concerned. <laughs> I was really concerned because uh, I feel like it, would, it gave Juventus a lot of confidence uh, in front of the home fans, uh, gaining the equalizer, uh, the the opening goal. But uh, it was impressive to see uh, Inter uh, respond in a mature manner compared to last season, where like they lacked that mental uh, that mental strength. They were quite fragile in moments where the game um, kind of. Uh, seemed like it um, came out of their hand it was out of their hands they they bounced back uh, quite uh, quite quite swiftly if i may say uh, mm. a brilliant uh, counter attack in transition quick uh, passing combinations uh, found uh, barella giving the ball to to ram in space and pretty much are almost same uh, replica goal with the latara martinez doing an impeccable uh, run uh, past uh, federico gatti's uh, blind spot to tuck it into the back of the net to seal the equalizer yeah uh, no, please, Frank. Yeah. One curiosity I have out of Inter's lineup with knowing that or feeling that Inter was going to be more superior in possession, I just don't think that suits a player like Henrik Mkhitaryan. Um, yeah. Mkhitaryan's exceptional countering through the midfield, you know, in, in certain situations. Do you think this game called for someone like a Davide Fratesi instead? I think maybe Fratesi would have. Perhaps he would have seen it better, but I think given Mkhitaryan's form, perhaps uh, Inzaghi felt more uh, comfortable with uh, with uh, with deploying uh, Mkhitaryan in the mid in the in the in the three in the field. And we saw him struggle. Like in the first half, I found he was quite poor. Like made some sloppy passes, and was yeah. the team making was off. So like you could tell that he was he was struggling. But then in the second half, he kind of uh, grew into the match. I feel like he had a pretty solid uh, second half display. So, you know, the interesting thing, and you kind of alluded to this, Julian, and I want to talk to Reno about this because you never know what you're going to get with Juventus. It seems like in the games against the smaller provincial sides, they play very tight, play very defensive, and then they play games like this against Inter and some of the bigger opponents, and they attack and they put pressure on the defensive side. And you get why Allegri does this because you want to cause uneasy and uncomfortableness with the defense uh, teams trying to play out. And you saw this from the beginning, to Julian's point, is Juve kind of put the pressure on, uh, the onus on, on, Inter to kind of play out defensively, have the ball. Uh, you saw a lot of pressure coming on in the first half. Uh, were you surprised by this tactic from Allegri? Because, again, in, in, in some games, he doesn't do this. In other games, he does. Uh, good way to start, though, I thought, in this game. Uh, how did you feel with the start opening start of the game? Cool. Me or... Uh... Reno. 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 <laughs> I, how do I think the start of the game? Well, like I said, it was a good first half. I know uh, Legley Span was, you know, tried to possess the ball. Then I soon Inter find their way to to do a mistake. Then they find their attack because I like it. It seems like he doesn't want to take risk. But then after the first goal from Lautaro, the second half, I seen both teams uh, as a master. That's my friend. 
I seen both teams, they were playing the same thing, Catenaccio. You know, I was yeah. like, well, what's going on? They were both trying to play the, the top. I was kind of shocked with uh, Inter because I thought Inter was going to score more goals. But then at the end, Inzaghi, he didn't have the chance to score for some reason. And then they, he played Catenaccio too because this Derby Italia, like I said on my video, era un Derby d'Italia del sonno. At Derby Italia, like at some point I was falling asleep, <laughs> you know, because we're both for the top teams, Inter, yeah. Juve. Let's say Juve, it's a uh, un grado sotto. Let, uh, how can I say in English? One grade under a little bit, yeah. you know, to the best teams of Italy. They're playing for a tie. You know, you want to see some more excitement. But then at the end, they both played the typical uh, Catenaccio Italian style. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, the I first wasn't half, I surprised. Thought... So. Okay. Well, no, and I don't think many people were. I mean, we knew, like Frank said, we knew that Allegra is going to give the ball up and say, "You got to, you have to win with the ball." Uh, in which, which we all knew that was going to happen. And I think what I was curious myself as a neutral to see, like we've seen Inter. Inter has been really good in the big games this year. They blew away Milan in the derby. They had some oh, yeah. good results, uh, and so you they had that element of surprise. You talk about Arena. You're not sure because this. It, you enter could score lots of goals in this one, and that's that's the big worry. And I think what we saw, Vlahovic, to Julian's point, uh, great heads-up play on Duffrey's mistake, intercepts the ball at midfield and gives it keys, and he ends up scoring the goal. A wonderful goal by him with his, what, 10 celebrations on the goal there. I don't know what the heck that was, but um, good way to start the game, oh, yeah, obviously. He hasn't been scoring. But yeah, the same yeah. with Lautaro, it was thanks to Bremer's mistake, too. So pretty much they were the same goals. So <laughs> Both goals are beautiful. Well, Go, Frank. Yeah. I think what you saw on the goals is I think you see that you, you see strikers that are as good as anybody in this league at reading the game without the ball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Vlaovic's run, and and, and, and the, the runs are both very different. Vlaovic's run um, starts running towards, you know, Chiesa's running with the ball. Vlaovic starts running towards the box. Reads the inter defenders are okay. tracking all the way back to the six. So he stops his run at the 18. Chiesa sees it, picks him up. Um, the other way on the counter, uh, Lotaro starts by drifting away from Turam, um, gets out of Gatti's sight lines, and then right at the right at the exact perfect moment, changes his speed on the run and pounces and attacks the cross from uh from Turam. Uh two strikers that do an excellent job of reading the situation, reading what the defenders are giving them, uh, and taking advantage of it and scoring their goals. So um, very noteworthy in that sense. Um, so both goals were the only nice things all game, I would agree. I thought the second half was a complete rock fight. Um, That's what I said. <laughs> I, I, it kind of was shocking that there weren't – it was kind of shocking that there weren't more cards. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, I think – all in all, we watched we watched the two best teams in Italy play yes. against each other. I don't think there's any disputing yes. that. Yeah. Um, and I think and, and I think at the end, one one was a fair result. Yeah, and I think what Not we saw happy right, with the tie. Yeah, well, you should. I think you both should be happy with the tie, right? Because uh, yeah, it's a good result. Well, I think ultimately, you don't want well, to lose the other one. No, it was a good result. Like, like I said, I was surprised with Inter because I had a bunch of Interisti tell me, "Oh, we're going to beat you three, four, zero, this and that." But then they didn't have that chance because Inter they had a good performance against Milan, a Champions League. But 
it is what it is. But then you hear Inzaghi saying that we played better. Well, I don't know. At the end, you guys played like us, Catenaccio. So. <laughs> and that's a good point, too, because I think you, you can use possession as to say we were a much better team. But, you know, if teams like yeah. Allegri's, Allegri's teams or Mourinho's teams, they, they want you to have the ball. So that's a, it's a unfair set to look at. Um, obviously, yeah. Inter showed great resolve by scoring so quickly after the going down one nothing. First yeah. half, I thought, was a brilliant derby. And then, like everyone else is saying, the second half was just Catanaccio at his at its finest. The two best teams at that point, I think both teams were like, both managers were like, we're not going to lose this game. Let's just play smart. Let's just play. You know, if we can get a goal, yeah. great. But we're not going to give anything up defensively. Uh, and then and the game kind of played out as it was. And I, this this is absolutely a, a, a showcase of the two cancers. I mean, two best teams in the league. Joking, of course. <laughs> um, no, these two teams are by far the best teams in the league. I think, and it's it's really. Night and day between Inter Juve versus everyone else, I think, at this point. And no dis- no discredit to meet the Milans, the Romas, uh, the Napolis of the world, but these two teams have shown all season long that they're consistent. They can play defense, two of the best defenses in the league, and yeah. they can score goals. Um, so good result overall. You guys still one and two in the table. I you know, we got you know no no international break going on here, but uh overall yeah. assessment. Julian, I imagine you're 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 content with this one one draw. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think 1-1 is a fair result. Some people might argue that Inter could have won the game or could have done more to have won the game. But I think like towards the beginning of the game, uh, Chiesa missed a really big chance like of when yeah. Rabiot made it stick with the, the yeah. long throw. So I feel like had Chiesa scored that, it would have probably changed the whole dynamic of the game. I think yeah, in the second half, yeah, Mkhitaryan found Lautaro like uh, in the box. Lautaro, uh, sorry, not Lautaro, uh, Turan in the box, and he yeah. just hit the ball. And I think like he, given his standards, he should have buried that, and that would have been for perhaps the winner. And uh, but like you said, you know, like um, it was pretty much uh, far more different compared to the first half. Uh, uh, yes, you, in the first half, Juventus Allegri was aggressive, really uh, front foot defending, and then in the second half. You had Juventus in a low block and Inter uh, just minimizing risk, uh, really not going, uh, pretty much minimizing risk and trying to avoid uh, making mistakes. Uh, when before yeah, exactly. Same with the cuss. And I think uh, Inzaghi, if he wanted to go for the win, he could have made some substitutions earlier, uh, but he waited <laughs> a little bit longer and he played safe to try to secure a point. Uh, in hindsight, I feel like it's a good result uh, away from home, but I feel like this would only be a good result if uh, Inter seal all three points against uh, Napoli. Because I feel like Juventus. Oh, yeah. are, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Inter that Juventus will beat Monza, so I'm really hoping. Hey. That, I'm really hoping <laughs> after <that> you- <laughs> last year's experience, I would still like to be patient, but we'll see. <laughs> Frank, you know, we, we always see in this in games like this where two teams who are both in form come in. It seems like, you know, you we want as neutrals to see this game to be beautiful from start to finish. It never is. It seems like yeah. the first half usually comes out with a bang and then the kind of catenaccio, the smart defensive play happens, Frank. <laughs> it, yeah. I, I can't so. think of a, a game. It's, yeah, exactly. It's been a game in a long time since we've seen something like that, Frank. It just seems that the pure recipe for big games, right? Um, it. I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I love games like this. I love the chess match. Yeah. Uh, between between two, two two good teams, not only two good teams, but two well managed teams. Um, and 
<clears throat> trying to anticipate what they're going to do and where the advantages are going to be. And, yep. you know, as I alluded to with Juventus, uh, you know, overloading the box and, and having more numbers than, than, than Lataro and Turam and saying to DeMarco and Dumfries, go ahead and cross it. We'll be ready. You know, go ahead and shoot from distance. Chesney will save it. Um, versus, you know, Inter uh, doing the same thing in spots when Juve were in possession and just kind of, you know, now – now it's trying to figure out where where do you find that break? What which player loses their concentration at the worst possible moment? And um, you know both goals came on the counter, so you really can't say that. You know, I mean, I think you can kind of you can fault Dumfries on the on the opening goal for you Juve- yeah. for in, you know that that Juventus scored, Inter finding the break uh, after Juventus were trying to establish some possession, and I can't remember who lost possession on it. Uh, but they were. It was one of the rare moments where Juventus were stretched and didn't get their numbers back behind the ball, and Inter took advantage of it. Um, so you know, and then the rest of the way, you know, nothing that really threatened either goalkeeper. I mean, no. Juventus's only shot on target was the goal that they scored. Um, you know, so this was not going to be the game where you came to look for quality. This was going to be a a ninety minute fight. Uh, and sometimes there's beauty in that. And uh, to me, the the, yeah. the goal by the goal that Inter scored was one of the most beautiful counterattack goals you'll see. I mean, yeah, Jan Sommer heads up play uh, to Dumfries and Barella, and then um, Taram and backdoor. I mean, that was a beautiful counterattack goal as you're going to get. And it happened what like in five seconds. It was something ridiculous. Uh, yeah. That's that's a that's a work of beauty right there. So like the two best plays of the game were the goals, and everything else was just a rock fight. But uh, this is a derby. This is what you expect a derby d'Italia. Uh, and so overall, oh, r- good result. Uh, but uh, I guess Juventini can't be happy because more rumors, Frank, uh, started sparking mm-hmm. after the matchup, or maybe just happened just before the matchup. But uh, I guess they're not too happy with Allegri, huh? Well, it's understood <laughs> right now that. Uh, I'm one so, so here's here's what I'm understanding here. It's uh, this is going to be Allegri's last season, even though he has another he has a contract for another year beyond that. Um, and that it sounds like, and I was listening to the football show uh, today, and uh, Charlie Stilitano was t- t- talking about this, that uh, it sounds like Allegri after this season will be on his way to Saudi Arabia, um, and that the stage is going to be set for Antonio Conte uh, to return and become Juve manager. So, um, Reno, I'm interested in your your take on this. Uh, Conte coming home. I mean, oh. he is the guy that kickstarted the lengthy run of uh, you know of, of Scudetti, uh, but left in a hissy fit when he wasn't getting his way with the Mercato. Um, on paper, when you look at the current roster, it's a pretty easy transition. There's going to certainly be a lot more that Conte is going to demand that that Allegri probably doesn't. Um, Philippe Kostic does not strike me as an Antonio Conte wingback, uh, as one example, but, uh, you're the Juve man. So floor is yours. Your take on the possibility of, uh, Antonio Conte 2.0. Well, I did a video about this and there's going to be a lot to talk about. Okay. I I try to keep a short horse. It's going to. I'm going to finish till three in the morning about this. <laughs> I think you guys should see my videos. I'm not a really big fan with Allegri because when Allegri first came, I was happy, yes. But then eventually seeing that he's uh, using this style. I understand people can say, 
Oh, it's the players because this is what's happened in the last three years. And when Allegri, uh, when Juventus win, oh, uh, thanks to Allegri. But when Juventus loses, it's the players. And I'm just really sick of his style whatsoever. I know we have an issue with the male field, which I had a live with my paisan. He's on the chat, Mr. Oljuvacast. But we had an issue even before Allegri left. And I will never respect Allegri because we lost one of the most brutal champions league against Maccabi Aif. Like, really. And he still finds his cues. <laughs> Let, let's leave the points deduction whatsoever. We lost with the empathy. What, what was his excuse? Oh, this is not the uh, squadra da scudetto. This is not the team of scudetto. Well, what did you, why you, you stay in the first place? No, but if you said that this wasn't a team for you, you should have it in the first place. You know what I mean? Hmm. Unfortunately, he's hard headed. He wanted to stay another year. But then things get funny because we see Conte coming back at the 100 years of Juventus. Like it or not, Conte is a Juventino. I understand most of us can get mad because he went with the Inter, but me personally, I look as a professional because the way he left, because he had issues with Agnelli, which they got along after a while whatsoever. But, you know, then you keep on hearing rumors of but Calvo wasn't happy with him, which Calvo met him recently. There was uh, a lot of meetings with Conte. He was with uh, Montero. Then the last interview he did about the wedding supposed to be connected in two ways. Il matrimonio deve essere connettato in tutte due le parti, insomma. Which I think he wasn't happy about this. So, but which is funny because when Pirlo was there, it was nice that uh, Allegri was with Agnelli watching the Juventus-Torino game and see what the situation. But when it goes back to him, uh, oh, give me a break. Huh? Oh, I'm seeing the truth here. <laughs> then when it goes to the, his way, what, what, what's just happened with Conte? He doesn't like it. So, of course, he's not going to stay because if you don't give him the extension, he wants the bonusita. And by Conte having back, I'm not a big fan of Minestri's the leftovers. But if he can fix this team for Alec, like, I will be happy. Like my dream is Zidane, Klopp, and the Italians, maybe Italiano, uh, Thiago Mota. But unfortunately, Juventus, they're always happy with the Minestri's Caldada. So if Conte can prove us wrong, I know with Champions League, he's uh, terrible. But he is desperate to come because he's at Torino. Even the wife has been saying it. So... Let's wait and see, which Cavo did say there's going to be some good changes from next year, which I have been hearing some other rumors as well, some good ones. Hey, hey but on, on the good see. side, on the positive side, Rudy Garcia is available if you want. So there's <laughs> no, that. no, 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 thank you. That's going to get worse than worse. That's from Eric. <laughs> Julian, you, you've experienced Conte recently, more recently than <laughs> even Juventus. Um, yeah. Thoughts on, you know, obviously he he's a guy he's a serial winner. He's a serial winner. Yeah. His, his longevity doesn't seem to be that long with clubs. It seems like just because he always gets pissed off at somebody or something. Um, what are your thoughts here about these rumors about you know Allegri, who's doing fairly well at, at Juventus in terms of points and stuff like that, now possibly leaving and now Conte coming in? What are your thoughts as as a, a direct rival? No, I mean, I, I, I think it's fair to say that he is a, a he is a good coach. In math preparation, he's arguably like one of the best in all of Italy, uh, preparing for games. Uh, 
although his longevity isn't the best, uh, you know, everywhere he's gone, he's, you know, he's a, he's pretty much an expert at winning league titles where he's gone to England, you know, Juventus, Inter, and uh, the Premier League clubs, uh, Chelsea that he coached. So um, I think my, the main issue is I just don't see Juventus being able, like due to the financial circumstances, being able to uh, like meet his demand because he's somebody who, uh, yeah likes to spend in the transfer markets and I feel like the board will not be able to uh, to reach his uh, sustain his demands uh, in order to uh, to bolster his squad and bring in high quality players that he likes so it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out but I just think uh, given the financial circumstances I just don't think that's a really good idea because already you're going to pay over 10 million in wages yeah. just for him to come in so Fabio uh, Capello it, money it's not ideal yeah. I don't really think it's ideal uh, for, for Juventus uh, right now it's it's interesting because I understand why right it, obviously Juventus are upset the way Allegri plays not not okay. the most entertaining at all um, and you want you know they want to do well in Champions League which Allegri hasn't been doing but because Conte do well in Champions League, he doesn't seem to do that well either. He's no Inzaghi. He's no Inzaghi, right? Uh, in the in the Champions League, and so yes, you're going to have more entertaining style football. You're going to win. A, you're going to. Well, you're still winning games, but you're going to win. You know, Pasi Scudetti with him. But the question will always be: Yes, you do well there, but what can you do in the Champions League? Can you go deep into the Champions League? Now that we'll we'll see what that, what happens there, right? Allegri got them to two Champions League finals when and uh, during his first tenure. So it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how this will work. But I, I agree with Julian because but he had a bigger team, Allegri. So <laughs> and he had the money. So if he got the player, he got the players he wanted. Will with this new team, this new system, will it be able to happen? I don't know about that. That's what. Yeah. That's the only thing that, that worries about me because I think he'll be pissed off after one year if he doesn't get his players and say I'm out. I mean, Frank. I mean, what are you, your thoughts? I think we. I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I, I the the 2.0 has has worked at two places. In the last what twenty years, it's it's yeah. worked with Ancelotti at Real Madrid, um, and and you can make the argument that it worked for Mourinho his second time around at Chelsea because he won a Premier League. Okay, he he didn't win much else, but he won a Premier League. I think he won a FA Cup too. Um, but bringing a manager back for a second stint, by and large, it has not been successful. Um, you know, Roma brought Spalletti a set back a second time around. By Roma standards, it was okay. It wasn't great. It didn't win anything. Um, I talked about back in the 90s when Milan brought Saki back a second time. Roberto Baggio in particular was publicly horrified that Saki came back, um, you know, among other players. And it was a complete disaster. Milan crashed out at the Champions League group stage to Rosenborg. So so those of you modern (laughs) Milan fans right now who are pissing and moaning about this, (laughs) I was around. When we went out to fucking Rosenborg, okay. <laughs> Half of you people listening to this don't even know where Rosenborg is, okay. So, oh my god. Um, oh so my the, god. The, the, the to me, I I'm not sold it will work, you know, because I don't think that there's this magic war chest of uh, funds available that Con- and, and Conte is going to be able to recruit all the players that he wants to make it work. So that's where I'm coming from on this. So. Now, now define make it work. What's your definition of make it work? And I want to go for everybody. Um, Frank, I'll start with you since you just mentioned it. What's your definition of working for, for Juventus with Conte? But <laughs> unlimited transfer funds. That's what Antonio Conte wants. <laughs> so, and he's not gonna get and he's not gonna get it. So what do you expect from do you expect him to win challenge for Scudetto or you, or do you think it's not even gonna get that? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're bringing in Antonio Conte, you're bringing in Antonio Conte to challenge for the Scudetto. Uh, yeah. And to, make a deep, and to make a deep run in the Champions League. Uh, Reno, what about you? What are your thoughts? What, what would be a successful tenure for Antonio Conte? What's a realistic uh, target you think is going to happen if he were to come? If he were to come, uh, I don't know. Because based on what I'm seeing, what Junder is trying to bring, he's bringing some young players whatsoever that probably can yeah. benefit Conte, not Allegri. Because Allegri is a manager, a gestore, which is good with the top players, which it's not easy. No. So... And uh, what I'm hearing, it might be almost the same uh, money that he's giving to Allegri, what I'm hearing today, uh, a three-year. But like I said, we need new faces. Because they're talking about Champions League, like we all just said. You think Conte's going to do better at the Champions League? We need somebody, a guy like Klopp, that reformed the team and then go. But is Juventus going to do that? That's why I don't like this mentality of Minestri and Scardado, you know what I mean? But like I said... If he brings the results, I will be happy. So we'll, we'll see. What about the okay, Julian? What about your thoughts as the rival? Not what you uh, you're <laughs> probably more the, the more realist here of the group here. What what do you what do you think would uh, Conte realistically do if he came back? I think he would manage to win this Scudetto. I think like he's a serial winner. Like he's yeah. gonna yeah. make the right just like uh, modifications to the team, uh, even if it means using the uh, like. The materials at his availability, like I, he's gonna adjust in order to win the scudetto. I'm, I'm not so sure if he's gonna make a long run in Europe, but I do think though that I just don't see it. Was, I just don't see, given the financial situation, that Juventus will be able to uh, to sustain his uh, his uh, demands in the transfer market. So I could just see that being a, a total disaster, like pretty much almost every other club he's been at, more or less. His first, signing, his first signing, his first signing will be Eder. <laughs> Can I say something pretty quick to uh, Julian? You Please. talk about financial problems. You guys don't have a, a good financial problems. <laughs> All I know that next year we're going to fix the problem. So we'll wait and see. Like everybody's <laughs> talking about our financial problems, but you guys are not looking pretty. You're safer because you have Marotta to 2027. So. Hey, all yeah. of City are struggling with money at the moment, you know. We're, we're no, I understand, but they all talk about us. But <laughs> everyone, even Milan, like you know. So, but yeah. all I know, the next year, like Cabo said, things are are, are going to look pro. Plus, we have June to leave, so pretty much he knows what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see what the future holds for Juve with 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 the manager situation and the the. Most Juventini, the lights at the end of the tunnel because the the Allegri era is looking like it's going to be over after this season, or at least from the conversations or from some of the stories that are out, that's going to happen. So, Julian, we know you got to run, um, so we're going to give you this opportunity to give you the floor, uh, plug anything that you would like to plug. Uh, we'll send you on your way, and hopefully, we'll be able to get you back on here uh, at another time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Frank and Richard, for having me on. Uh, it was a pleasure. Reno, nice meeting you. Uh, nice meeting you. To be with you. And uh, yeah, so basically just uh, from Montreal, Canada, write uh, articles uh, based on uh, the Serie A. Interista at heart, but uh, Serie A lover all around. Uh, you can follow me at uh, Calcio with uh, Julian on Instagram and Twitter to keep up to date Ooh. with uh, all my work. You don't have YouTube channel, Julian? No. No. 
Okay, I'll follow you on uh, on Instagram. <laughs> I thought he was going to be your manager here for a second. Say, like, hey, I got you. If you no, want no, to no, I'll follow him. No, 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 I'll follow him. Breaking the culture community you. together. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, why not? No problem. Exactly. <laughs> nice meeting exactly. you, Julian. Oh, well, Julian, great to have you with us. Let's get you on for your third cap here sometime soon, okay? Sounds like a plan. Thank you. Ciao, Julian. All Ciao, right. Ciao, Julian. There he goes. That's Julian Faustini from uh, Calcio with Julian. Uh, you can <laughs> follow him at uh, Julian underscore Calcio uh, on the uh, Twitter machine or the X machine. So uh, let, I'm going to run down the rest of match week 13 for everybody because they're, you know, while, while the top two teams in Italy played each other, there were nine other games. So let's get right to it. Uh, it was Salernitana upsetting Lazio by two goals to one. Uh, it was a Ciro Immobile penalty uh, in the 43rd minute. Uh, Grigoris Castanos in the 55th minute, and then it had to be Antonio Candreva to win it for Salernitana. Goal of the week candidate there, by the way, boys and girls. Wow. Uh, absolute screamer. He didn't celebrate either, so that was very, very classy of him. Probably the other marquee game, one of the other marquee games of the weekend. There are probably three of them if you want to really, mm-hmm. uh, really want to look at it. But uh, Atalanta hosting Napoli, uh, the debut for Walter Mazzotti, uh, and it goes successfully for him. Uh, you know, also kind of helps that you have a guy like uh, Quadratelia to call on. Uh, but he scores with his head, which you don't mm. often see from him in the 44th minute, just before halftime. Uh, 53rd minute, Adamo Lookman. You don't see him scoring with his head very often, but here we are. Uh, 1 1 there. And then uh, Karnasaki, no idea what he was doing there, uh, but under pressure gives it away. Um, Eljif Elmas, uh, after some very unselfish play by Victor Osiman. Good to see Victor Osiman back out there. Uh, got a little bit of a cameo there for 27 minutes. Uh, Napoli getting the 2-1 win. And then Milan, another marquee game here against Fiorentina, uh, with the 1-0 win, a Teo Hernandez penalty there. Uh, Milan overcoming uh, Fiorentina with 21 shots, four on target. Uh, Magic Mike coming through, making some critical saves uh, in that game to help preserve the win. Uh, moving to Sunday, Calorie and Monza, a 1-1 draw. It was uh, in the 10th minute, a goal bungled in by Alberto Dosena. I bet Richard and, and Reno, if we go and we look at all of the, like, the team that has scored the most like bungled in goals, it's probably Calorie. It probably. seems like they score goals like that all the time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> crazy, crazy. So, um, in the uh, 61st minute, Mirko Maric uh, off a wonderful uh, cross uh, by Kyriakopoulos on the corner uh, to level things there. Honors even in Sardinia. Uh, goal fest between Empoli and Sassuolo. Uh, Francesco Caputo in the fourth minute. Uh, Andrea Pinamonti breaks a little bit of a duck that he had there in the 12th. Uh, Mateus Henrique in the 22nd. Uh, Jacopo Fazzini make in the 30th. That makes it makes it 2-2. Uh, Domenico Berardi with a penalty in the 66th. And then uh, Matias Vigna own goal in the 86th. In stoppage time, a goal of the week candidate. Domenico Berardi with his weaker foot, a nice little volley, uh, making it four goals to three. We'll get to Bologna there, Alberto. I'm I've been hyping up, I've been hyping up Bologna all season. So Amen. Amen. Uh, um Frozen only two, Genoa one, and it opened up with Matias Sula. Man, the man can't stop scoring. Uh, <laughs> one nil there. Uh, 
goal of the week candidate in the 38th minute, Ruslan Malinovsky. Man, that left foot, I'll tell you. Uh, hammered hammered one from distance. Uh, did you guys see that goal? <laughs> yeah. You guys, yeah. I can start from D.C. That's how powerful that thing was. Yeah, that is. That is. Uh, but then in stoppage time, Ilario Monterisi. Yeah, neither do we. Uh, he gets the goal <laughs> to win the game 2-1. to one. Um, uh, And uh, that ends that. Roma 3, Udinese 1. Uh, Mancini heading home a uh, free kick from Paulo Dybala. Uh, Florian Tovan making it 1-1 in the 57th minute. Beautiful team goal in the 81st minute, for him, which ultimately Paulo Dybala assisted by Romelu Lukaku, but there's probably three other Roma players that you could credit with assists on that goal. Yeah. Very well taken, making it 2-1. And then Stefan El Shirawi finishing it off, making it 3-1. Dybala was fantastic in this game. Yeah. Um, and then uh, moving to Monday's matches, uh, we had Verona and Lecce playing to a 2-2 draw. Remy Udan with a goal of the week candidate in the 30th minute. Uh, Cyril and Cyril and Gonja. I keep talking about this guy. His star keeps rising, and he has scored mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. making it one-one. Uh, John Gonzalez in the 69th minute, giving let re, restoring the lead for Lecce, and then uh, Milan Juric in the 77th. Uh, an exciting two-two finish there. Uh, as long as we're talking about Lecce, shout out to our friends Will and Zach from Lecce Fans UK. Uh, great stuff having them on in, for an interview uh, on Sunday. Richard, when are we going to release that? By the way, I haven't we'll, seen a notice for it. We'll be releasing that in a couple of days here, uh, getting it ready. But yeah, it's a nice interview with the Lecce U Club fan club from UK. Uh, boys, everyone's wow. screaming for them to get them back, and they've been they've been gracious gracious with us. And so uh, we interview them, and we'll, well, that interview will be out in about two days here. Demanded by uh, demanded by actually quite a few of our uh, of our listeners to uh, yeah. uh, to get an interview going with them. So uh, uh, glad that they were able to uh, accommodate us. Uh, Bologna two, Torino nil, rounding it out. The the guy that looks like he's eight years old comes through and scores. Giovanni Fabian, our boy, our boy, <laughs> the baby face assassin. We're calling him that right now. Okay, <laughs> scoring to open it up for Bologna by one, one goal to nil. Uh, Torino trying to press to make it 1-1, and then just going over the top was Bologna. Joshua Zerxe takes advantage. Uh, nice little uh, 1v1 move and then finish. Uh, and, uh, yes, uh, chat, Tiago Mota be cooking. Um, and if you were listening to Serie A sit down all season long, you shouldn't be surprised. So yeah. <laughs> where do you guys want to start? Man, um, well, there's so many different talking points, obviously, from this weekend. Um the Salernitana getting their, getting the first win with Candreva's wonderful goal from distance was great. Lazio, my team, who I picked second in this for the season, are going to be <laughs> if they make Europe altogether. Uh, my gosh, uh, Sarri's days could be numbered, but it's weird, right? Lazio, right? Because they can win in Europe now, but they can't win in the league. Um, but for me, really, I think my first talking point I want to start with is Napoli and, and Atalanta. I thought this was a Game, obviously, you wanted to pay attention to because obviously Walter's Mazzotti coming back to Napoli. What would he do? Would he continue and build upon what Rudy Garcia did and what Spalletti did last season, or would he kind of regress? Um, and this is against a decent Atalanta team, a team who doesn't really have anything to fight for, honestly. They got a really good squad. Players are stepping up for them left and right. Um, and what we saw is a good bout between two teams. I, what I think, and I'm curious what you guys' thoughts are, I think Napoli looked, and maybe this is a one-game, one-off thing, but defensively, they looked more stable, I thought. Yes, Atalanta had their opportunities, but it wasn't anything too dangerous outside of, the uh, obviously, Adama Lukman goal. Um, they, you know, Golini did what he had to do in defense there. And then Napoli, 
finding ways to get creative. How about Ashelia getting a goal with a header, right? And then Osimhen coming in, being a playmaker for Elmas at the end there. Um, we'll see. But if Walter Mazzari keeps this up, this could be a recipe where it's not necessarily going to be the flashy Spalletti type team, or or even you know some of the other offenses we saw before. But it's a team that if he can get them to be stable defensively, they'll find ways to get goals. They're going to find this team is too talented not to score goals, and so. I was impressed with Mazzotti's opening. I'm curious, Reno, what were your thoughts on the uh, Napoli-Atalanta game? Well, I watched it. Uh, I was surprised, too, because uh, when I was doing like a little review about the Serie A in general, I thought Mazzotti won't be able to beat Atalanta because Atalanta is a dangerous team. But they have their ups and downs. I don't know. But it was surprising like they scored the first goal, then unfortunately with these uh, offsides because, uh, you know, with one millimeter offside, it wasn't allowed the goal. But Mazzari at the last minute, he did those two changes. Um, OC men, and what's the other guy's name? I always forget the names. Claricelia. Um, no, no, Claricelia. Oh, oh, the striker. Yeah, the other guy. As la- Giovanni Simeone or Raspadori? No Raspadori, no, the Macedonia guy came. Oh, Elmas. Um, oh, Elmas, Elmas, Elmas. Yeah, Elmas, sorry, Elmas. Elmas. Yeah, yeah. Those guys came in, then Elmas scored that goal thanks to assist of uh, Ozim, and then it totally, totally, changed, um, it totally changed the game. So, passing Atalanta, it's not easy to win. So, I know it's the first game we're going to see against Inter. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Still a 4-3-3, so... It was a little bit different than what we've seen recently with uh, Rudy Garcia. So let's yeah. see if he can bring the action back uh, with Napoli. Because after last year, they've been playing pretty good. It was enjoyable to watch, you know, seeing them playing pretty bad, you know. As much as we can talk about rivalries, but I always like yeah. to watch see other teams playing good, you know. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're seeing another 2.0 in progress right now with Mazzotti at Napoli. And we talked about that to an extent. And mm. yes. Uh, yes, uh, wonderful for Napoli to get this result. Now, um, I want to see a few more games. Um, no, exactly. For sure. You know, I mean, because I think that everything evolves, in, you know, in a league over the course of the season. And you know what? The, the other teams that the other teams in this league aren't stupid, okay? And they're going to take a look at this. They now have sample of how Mazzotti's got his guys set up. You know, and they're mm. going to have more sample, okay. and then they're ultimately going to eventually figure it out. You know, and I think that there's still the I think that there is the risk of that. Okay, um, you know, I've been very aggressive about saying, okay, Milan sticking with their manager, Napoli changed their manager, <laughs> and how what that's going to do. And I think that, you know, I I, I firmly believe that Milan will continue. I think that if you asked me to take mm. this Napoli managed by Walter Mazzotti and take that Roma squad managed by Jose Mourinho. I want that Roma squad managed by Jose Mourinho, and I would favor them for for fourth spot, mm-hmm. okay? If Milan find a way to get out of this funk and finish third, all right, and it comes down to Roma and Napoli, I'm going to take Roma, okay? Roma had their struggles. Everybody was hurt at the beginning of the season. They're slowly starting to get everybody back. Um, and... Mourinho doesn't look like he's pissing anybody off over there either. Okay. So that matters because he seems to wear out his welcome after three seasons. Yeah. After, 
to his third season. Um, so we're starting to see with in the Roma game. Yeah, that's what it looks like when you've got Lukaku and you've got Dybala and you can bring on El Shadawi, yeah. you know, and you've got some of the other players that you've got. So, you know, you know, this also I'm piggybacking this by saying I way back at the beginning of the season I picked Roma to finish fourth. So, you know, so I'm going to go with this. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. go with this for that reason as well. But I just there's a reason why Mazzotti didn't last. Okay. And there's a reason why it hasn't worked out wherever he's gone. And I, I just, I have my concerns and I just have a feeling that at some point he's going to get figured out and there isn't going to be a backup plan. And that long, long term, it's going to cost. <laughs> well, that, yeah. that the, the finding, finding out will happen very soon when they play Real Madrid in the Champions League and when they play Inter this weekend. Yeah. Gonna, first of all, we're going to see what his team could do against a big opponent, right? And then, depending on what the result happens, everyone else is going to watch that game and say, oh, so that's how we play. Either if either Napoli plays fantastic yeah. and say, oh, don't do what Inter did or do what Inter did because they just shut him down. It's going to be one of the two. I mean, it could be very obviously it could be a draw on the match, but you're going to watch what Inter does to them. You know, Inter is pretty much going to do, but Inzaghi is brilliant in these kind of kind of games. And so, yeah, very curious to see how, how, how Walter Mazzotti stacks up against them. And again, when you go to Champions League, when they play against Real Madrid again, how are they going to play against a big, big opponent? Because Rudy Garcia, for all his faults, right, especially in the league, when he went to Champions League, he found ways to get results. He went toe to toe with 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 Rome, uh, Real Madrid, uh, in big games in Champions League. He always seems to bring the best out of his, his team. It's just in the league is where he struggles. So let's see what Walter Mazzotti does then. Granted, I remember what his his first stint was in Napoli, and he did very well with Napoli in the Champions League. But uh, we'll see. Two point is different. Uh, big game this weekend, so we're going to learn a lot from both teams. Both but one, sorry, guys. But one thing uh, uh, for me, uh, De Laurentiis, I don't think he thinks like instead of getting Mazzari, he should get somebody else because they are the uh, Campione d'Italia. So, yeah. but, but we just have to wait and see. Like, I understand what Frank is coming from. Like, I agree with you. So, let's see. For me, he did a mistake because we all know uh, De Laurentiis wants to save money. But, and I think that's I part know. of the problem. I think that's part of the problem to your point, Reno. What in, what's out there that encourages you? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to make a managerial change, I mean, I got into it with, I got into it with a faction of Milan Twitter today once again after because of Milan's defeat, and I just saying. <laughs> so was it Pioli that missed the penalty, and was it Pioli that fouled Vinyl Gittens in the penalty area, and was it Pioli that uh, uh, that, that that couldn't complete the save on the shot by Adiemi, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And I've got everybody coming after me, and I said, all right, you keep saying Pioli out. Who comes in? Who fixes this? Yeah. Hey, one well, guy that had the, the, one guy threw Graham Potter among the list of names, and I said, "Well, you just lost your credibility with me just by putting <laughs> Graham Potter's name in there." Well, they had a chance with Tudor. I think that would be a, a better choice for Napoli. But then, uh, of Do course, you? Tudor. Uh, well, yeah, he, he does bring uh, good, good soccer. You know, of course, he's not. He wasn't going to st- stay for eight months, seven months like Maxari is doing. Yeah. So. But sometimes you need to do a change, Frank. I understand. But can you keep yeah. Pioli another year? Like, I understand there's issues with Milan with the injuries and stuff like that. But I don't know. Maybe not another year, but you definitely for the rest of the season. I think changing, like, I Frank, think I think changing during the season is just a recipe for disaster, honestly. Yeah. 
Well, he's been there for is, three years, so I, I don't know. We'll it, see is, it, is, it, is failed, it has failed more than it has been a success when you make an in-season managerial change. Um, you know, and that is the that is the concern that I have. Um, okay, I I believe you. So Eric is saying it's the attitude. Okay, but here's the thing, Eric. It's natural when a new manager comes on that you have this just temporary surge from the players in the team because the guy that wasn't getting it done for you is out of there, you know. But then. Some habits of some bad habits have been created that we see teams just fall back to with the with with the new guy. So um, fine, the players hated Rudy and played accordingly. But they but but in that time that they hated Rudy, fine. No, it was Rudy. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not arguing with you about Rudy. <laughs> but in the time that they hated Rudy, unbeknownst to them. And 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 certainly not consciously, they developed some bad habits that will change when a new manager comes in there. But then once things go pretty well, you start to get settled, and then some of those habits come back. I see that happens a lot. Okay, that happens an awful lot, and that's something that you have to that you have to account for and take into consideration. You well, know, and, and Eric, I you know maybe I maybe I might be wrong. So, and it's also a lot. To, it's, Alberto's nailing this. It's a lot different when you're trying to defend a Scudetto as opposed to chasing one. Yeah, okay. exactly. Alberto, he's number one on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, um, he knows. Well, since we're talking about managers, let's, let's naturally go over to Milan against Fiorentina. I thought this okay. game was um, an interesting game. Certainly, it's a typical Milan game in the sense that it's frustrating as a Milanista to watch. I um, bet. Not, lots of opportunities. Yeah, they got the penalty. Nice play there for the, 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 the foul that happened against uh, Teo Hernandez, and he put it away. Nice there. But they missed so many opportunities. And then, again, they leave it for the last 10 minutes where they're just like, here, Take all the chances you want and try to score a goal against us. And they nearly scored like five times in the last like exactly. five minutes of the game. And it wasn't for Mike Magnon making a fantastic save at the end. You're looking either at a one-one game or a two-one loss, almost like the Lecce game, almost a replica of that, minus you know, minus the amount of goals. Um, it's it's frustrating, but I I I'm I think I'm gonna be purely in in terms of the rest of the season, and then I'm yeah. I'll probably move on and then probably move on. But um it's just so frustrating to watch these kind of games where like the players are kind of like Napoli. The players are not doing their job on the field. They're not scoring goals. They get, they do everything except for score goals. And then it's like the manager gets all the blame, right? And then when they win, it's all the players. It's kind of the opposite of Juventus. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's a lot of blame goes around. Uh, Pioli does really well at times. And at times you question his substitutions. It's just frustrating. That's the only word I could describe Milan at the moment, Frank, is frustration. Yeah, it is. My wife's known as a Milanista. He's frustrated too. He always tells me, with no offense, uh, Pioli è un coglione like Allegri. He always says that because he, he hates uh, Pioli. But my question I'd like to ask you guys, what I hear from my, my, my sources, is it true that Maldini wanted to get rid of Pioli and that's why the manager got rid of Maldini? Like, you guys can say Pioli in, but for how long? Like, honestly, maybe next year, give it a I'm, chance. I'm, I, I, I am comfortable giving him till the rest of this season. Okay, okay. I'm comfortable then, too, then, like Allegri's case too, as much as so I want him right and now. And then in making opinion, a determination after that. In my opinion, okay. and, and I think I think Maldini's opinion would be different from Frank and I's, where I think Maldini, if he was still on the team and managing, 
he knows what Champions League is all about with Milan. He knows. Not exactly. That's if, if they fail to qualify out of this group, he would be gone. And if Maldini yeah. was still in charge, but he's not. I, I think Redbird doesn't get the Champions League mentality that we oh. all as Milanese have. And their goal, Redbird's goal, is top four, make me money. That's all they care about right now. Yeah, it's an American style. Because, funny enough. I was on the phone with one of my friends and I had a chance to talk on FaceTime with Antonio from IFTV and we kind of connect whatsoever. And he kind of agree with me with Pioli. Like I seen his last video. He, he doesn't like Pioli as well. So, but for me, what Milan did towards Madini, that was the big, big mistake. At least well, for me. So, Champions League is in Milan's DNA, as Adriano Galli has Galliani has said year after year after year. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know if it's in Redbird's DNA. Okay. Exactly. Bravo. Okay. Correct. Now you know correct. that's that, 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 that's kind of where this that's kind of where 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 this comes from. Beautiful. Um, okay. So, um, so anyway. As far as the current state of Milan with the injury crisis and, you know, and I made this, I made this comment after the game on Sunday, when you're in this situation, you have no other choice, but to grind out results. Okay. And part of having a sexual successful campaign. Watch yourself. Family friendly yeah. show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, Freudian slip. Motherfucker. Yeah, mother, mother, motherfucker, huh? This is fun. (laughs) Part of part of having a successful campaign is the ability to grind out results. Okay, Uh, title winning campaigns are 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 built on one nil wins, no matter how you get them. Okay, you could you could outshoot an opponent thirty to two and win one nil. You could, in this case, get outshot twenty four to five or whatever it was and win one nil. Okay. But those results are valuable. It's three points. It's not style points. It's three points. I've said, that's been a phrase I've said year after year after year here. Um, You know, and with the state that Milan's in with the mounting injuries, it's finding a way to get three points. The way they set up against Fiorentina was ideal. Okay. And was going to be the best, best path for them to get three points. Um, they went for it more here today against Borussia Dortmund and got exposed. Uh, mm-hmm. To Alberto's point, the soft midfield. Oddly, when Oddly's the regista, we finally and, and and everybody's been clamoring for him to get more playing time and all this other stuff. We finally and painfully saw the consequences of cer- certain things to his game that just don't work in that position and certainly don't work in Europe. Um, so. Um, you know, so I'm proud with it. I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of the Fiorentina result because you need results <laughs> like that to help achieve your goals. So you're going to so be in games three like points that. Is three points. Exactly. Allegri couldn't have better. Us. Well, with us, with you guys, it was a bad game. We win that one zero, but three points is three points. So I'm not, I wasn't really happy about that result, but it is what it is. Yeah. And you know what game was? The way they played. 
And you know what game wasn't 1-0? It was Empoli and Sassuolo. That was a fun game to watch. What, four goals in the first 30 minutes, 4-3 final. Uh, that was fantastic. I mean, we, this is the kind of game yeah. we always hope to see with Sassuolo because they are a fun, yeah. bad team. They can't play defense. They can score goals. And so you yeah. hope these kind of games. And we always say, please be the fun, bad game we always hope for. And we finally got yeah. it with Empoli because Empoli can score goals when you know they, they can attack, they can't defend. So this is a perfect recipe. And it was just an entertaining game, you know, no, not many people have stock in this game other other than Sassuolo and Empoli fans. And so, man, it's just goals going in left and right, you know, mistakes, obviously. But uh, I enjoy watching those games as long as my team is not involved in that. So um, highly entertaining game for me, despite it may not have been the most Calcio masterclass by any stretch. No, same. I agree. Yeah, I thought it was an, I thought it was a fun game to watch. It was entertaining. I got I, I got up and got a chance to watch it. Um and uh, I mean, if you're if you're going to watch a game, any of the other uh, other than any of the three, this was it. I think the Verona Lecce game also was was quite entertaining. We thought that yes. it would be. Um, so, uh, Eric's point: it's madness that Pioli is under the uh, under the microscope. I agree. I mean, yeah. I mean, no. Okay, I'm just going to say this: not even Ancelotti could not have come in and. With with the state that Milan are in, with all of the injuries and 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 yeah, because the team that. itself it doesn't click even when, when they yeah. were healthy because they're brand new and you know, but a guy like Pioli, I don't know, we'll see. But like you said, try him until next year. Then like the same in my case with Allegri, then we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, so coming, yeah, coming back to Sassuolo, you got a couple of Berardi, Berardi goals. I mean, I mean, I you can't underestimate there, there's no underestimating what an important result this was for Sassuolo who yeah. for most of the season has been struggling um yeah. you know uh to to be able to get this result and start to get a little bit of breathing room from the bottom three I know it's only 13 games in but you know when you're a fan you 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 don't quite like seeing your team your team's name there towards the bottom so um uh talking about a team that is at the bottom okay so through their first eight games Cagliari have Two points uh, in their last five. They have eight. Do we start believing that Ranieri is going to work his manager and keep Cagliari up, or are they benefiting uh, from playing, uh, well, a relatively uh, breezy uh, slate of games here? They did beat Frozenone 4-3 after being 3-0 down. That's among those, that's among those results. That was but an amazing game. Two, yeah, they do have a 2-1 defeat to Juventus. In those five games, uh, what do we make of uh, Ranieri's Cagliari now that uh, they're out of the drop uh, in 17th on 10 points? Reno, I'll let you go first. I think Ranieri can still manage to keep them in the Serie yeah? so like he still knows what he's doing. Uh, the sky area difference, the other is it's been a little bit better, even some performance. You know, I can't remember which team it was against, they were like. Down to two one, then three two, then they finish up four three. So I think they can still manage to stay in Serie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think, still has it. Yeah, I think he does enough to get the get them points. That's all. You know, they're not yeah. losing necessarily. They're getting a draw on here and there, and that's they need points. That's all they need is points, and they gotta get more points. I think they're gonna go teams. through this year. We'll it's see. It's gonna be tight. It'll be tight. I mean, you know, there are yeah. some. The, the new boys, like Frosinone, Frosinone is continuing to doing fantastic this season. Uh, Genoa are still like punching above their weight. But, yeah, I think Ranieri, you know, 
the Tinker Man is finding ways to tinker his teams just enough to get the results. They played Juventus fairly well, like you mentioned, Frank, two to one loss there. But they're they're tight games. They they had, I mean, if this was previous previous manager, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have come back against Frozen on you know down three nothing, right? They would have just maybe scored gave up four or five goals. Um, the team believes in the manager, and he does this. We saw this when he was at a, at a Leicester City. The team is rallied yeah, around the manager. And and they won a championship there, and not not Khalid is not going to win it. Sorry, George, if you're listening to this or watching this, but <laughs> they're getting points, and I think that's the name of the game at the at the moment for Khalid. What their hope is to be stay in Serie A for at least one more yeah, year. Serie A, I think they will stay until next year. Then we'll see what happens. So, because right even now Genoa, they're playing good too. So we'll see. Yeah, right now it's a winning clip. Uh, but let's get back towards the top of the table. And Bologna is still there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> 21 points. Uh, I picked them eighth. I actually – I picked them eighth, and I think I picked someone like Fiorentina mid-table yeah. um, and got grilled for it. But I sat there and I said, I, the way Mota has this team set up and the players that he has at his disposal, and he has reasonable depth at each position. The one position where I don't think he has the depth is striker, okay? Um, but I think everywhere else he's solid, um, and they've and they've done it again. And they have uh, no Europe. Yeah, and no Europe, mm-hmm. no European distraction. They can just go about their business here and say, yeah. Yeah. Um, are we – are we more – comfortable about Bologna really being a threat for a European place for next year or do we still Maybe. need to see more? Need to see more, honestly. I mean, I, they're going to be in the mix. They're going to be in the top 10 for sure, in my opinion, because I, I ranked yeah. them ninth for this year, used it eighth. Um, they're six right now. There's some good teams in a top eight. I mean, Monza, don't discount Monza. Monza, are yeah, that's what you know what I mean? But Fiorentina, they have, they're good. They're on their days. They're really good. Atalanta, the same thing. Roma as well. Um, and Lazio is still out there, you know, lurking, uh, trying to get back in the mix. Torino's as well as a good club. It's going to be hard, but Bologna under Mota, they've, they've been very stable. Like we mentioned about Napoli, they've been very stable defensively. They get the results they need. They mix master the the pieces that they got and they found it to work. I mean, Salamakers is is working over there at the moment. Um, Xerxes doing some nice things there. They got you know Ferguson, but just nice pieces they have there. And they're finding ways to get these results. Um, they're going to be in the mix for Europe. They are. It's going to be hard. There's like like the seven sisters now. Well, seven sisters are going to be. I want to say in this, but uh, man, with no with no Europe, it's a real possibility. I say conference league at best. Yeah, that's even better, better than nothing. Reasonable. Yeah, reasonable, yes. For a team like Bologna, they bring a good uh, culture. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Anything else from from what we've learned here over the weekend in match week 13? Anything for you, Reno? Nothing much. Pretty much we talked about Milan. uh, Yeah. then nothing, nothing really much. Like I agree with what you guys said about Milan. I don't think there's anything else to say. But don't you guys think you're gonna make it through the Champions League? I know there's a slightly chance. On my last three, I said there's no chance. But then when I look at the results, I kind of because I saw PSG tied. So do you guys think you have a, a miracle? Maybe have to have to win at Newcastle, and yeah. PSG has to lose at Dortmund. 
and I don't think either result. Ha- I think I think Milan will draw at Newcastle, and that'll be the end of it. And then I think that uh, they're going to be consistent. Uh, yeah. Campeonato. Yeah. I, I want one of two results: either Milan win and and PSG lose, and they mo- and Milan moves on to the to the next as a yeah. knockout rounds, or. I want Milan to finish fourth because I'd rather be out of Europa League and then have a chance to move back up the table and catch back. Yeah, up because you kind of consolidate the position for next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Like I said to my friends, too, they'll be fighting for top four, but we'll wait and see because anything can happen. Yeah. Well. Uh, Reno, this is typically where we do goals of the week. We're going to do ours first, and if you have any goals of the week, chime in at the end. Um, Frank, that's fine. Can we go first? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got mine right here. I'm going to go with Berardi's volley uh, for Sassuolo, his, which which ended up being the winner for Sassuolo over Empoli in at number five. Uh, the Roma team goal finished by Dybala. Uh, that comes in for me at number four. Uh, Udan's goal for, for Lecce, yeah. uh, the rocket from distance there. I mean, all my top three are all from distance. Uh, Udan's goal for Lecce in there at number three. Uh, man, I had a hard time deciding who the goal of the week was. The, the the one that gets the goal of the week gets it because it's the winner. Uh, so Antonio Candreva's goal for Salernitana against his old team is my goal of the week. And Ruslan Malinovsky falls second for me. Although I had a hard time picking, picking which one should be the goal of the week. So I'm just going to, by default, the one that won a match is going to be the goal of the week. So Antonio okay. Candreva, goal of the week. All right. For me, um, I'm with you, Berardi, number five. Uh, nice goal. Yes, he got deflection there. Um, I wish to go Melanovsky four. I like the goal. It's a great goal, believe me. But uh, I thought the the Vlahovic team goal with him and Chiesa linking up and stealing the ball, that was a brilliant goal. That comes in at number three for me. Sorry, Reno, but I think the Lautaro goal was even better. That was a fantastic, one of the best counters I've seen in a long time. Uh, beautiful team okay, goal Okay, that's there. fine to me. I love <laughs> And then I'm with Frank Candreva, his his winner from distance. That was a bomb. It's it's what you expect for Candreva. Uh, fantastic goal from distance. So he's my number one as well. What what, what is your goal of the week? You're just you gonna to disrespect Udan like that. He did that with his opposite foot. Honorable mention. Honorable mention. Sule. Honorable mention for sure too. And 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 obviously. And we just bomb. had the Leche guys on on Sunday. Hey, Will Zach, I have your back. <laughs> I got you. I put Udan in the top five. Richard doesn't care. Oh. Probably didn't fair. even see it. <laughs> well, let's see what Reno has. Well, what's your goal of the week, Reno? Well, that's funny. I did not watch all the games. Yeah, so, because yeah. I watched one the Napoli, Milan, and of course, you were because uh, I was working. But uh, maybe I can, I, can, I can agree with you guys because I haven't watched all the games, so I can see what, which one is the top. All but, right. Yeah, so sorry. You guys. Lattaro, watched- so you picked Lotaro, right? Tower, no. You know what? But there was a mistake from Bremer too with that goal. I, I picked Lautaro. I'm so I'm sorry. Okay, fair Which was nice, Lautaro. Nobody judged him. Pretty much, it was co- almost the same procedure. Assisting goal, assisting goal. So we occasionally make homework calls too, so that's fine. That's fine. That's all good. I'm not getting mad. I'm totally fun. <laughs> I'm having fun. So. So I think we've kind of exhausted the Milan performance against Borussia Dortmund in parts kind of during, <laughs> during the match week 13 recap. I don't know if there's a yeah. whole lot we have to talk about with relation to that. And just, it was kind of a, I mean, I, I mean, to sum it up, just a, a, a bizarrely unfocused performance uh, from 
Pioli's tactics to the the concentration or lack thereof from the players uh, to execute. I mean, it, and really starting with Giroud's penalty, and it just snowballed. I from know there. it was just a disastrous ninety minutes for Milan. Um, on the flip side, uh, Lazio uh, getting a two nil win and securing qualification for the next round of the Champions League. Um, in, in that 2-0 win over Celtic and then being helped by Atletico Madrid uh, going to Feyenoord and winning three goals to one. So yeah. uh, we now have uh, two Serie A teams through. I don't think Napoli have fully qualified yet, have they? No, not yet, I don't think. They have but not, they're okay. almost close. They're close. They're closer than Milan, for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens so, tomorrow. So we, we we have Lazio through, we have Inter through, we, Milan have a ton of work to do. As we said, Milan must win at Newcastle. Uh, yeah, they must, be tough. must have Dortmund uh, beat PSG. Um, <laughs> I just I think the odds are too long, and I think that, that Milan's campaign in the Champions League this season uh, will stop at the group stage. Uh, your guys' thoughts? Well, um, Milan game was disastrous. I mean, you and I were talking about this, you know, during the game. That the right side of that Milan defense was atrocious. Both no, Calabria, Calabria was awful. Malik Chow was terrible in the game. Um, it, it, the, the setup was not right. I mean, obviously, you look if if I'm looking at Dortmund's team, and I and obviously have some familiar, familiarity with Dortmund, but if I'm looking at their team, I see what their strengths are. They have pace. I, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Dortmund is a pacey team. Uh, and Calabria, as good as he has been for in different games, what's his one weakness? is players who have pace. And so what Pioli should have done, which we've seen with Salamakers in the past when he was there, you put him on that right-wing side and he helps out defensively and it kind of helps to sh- shut down whoever that w- the attacker is. Um, they did that against PSG to an extent when they won, they won. But they left Calabria high and dry to defend for himself, and he was struggling mightily. Uh, and on every goal, it was just poor, poor defensive marking. Um, the, 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 I think it was the second goal where Calabria leaves his guy to go help out uh, Tamori for a reason, leaves his guy wide open, and obviously Chiquese can't catch up in time. It was just poor, horrible, horrible display by Milan, and full credit to Dortmund. Dortmund were fantastic in the game. Um, and so, you know, they deserve the win. They they. Uh, Tersic knew the the weaknesses of Milan and, and Pioli's defense, and <laughs> they went after it. They went after it, you know. And so, um, not Lazio is the only team that's going to be, you know, reaping the praises of Serie A at, at least for today, right? We haven't seen what tomorrow brings, but uh, Lazio, I think, did what they had to do against a, a Celtic team and uh, got the job done. They dominated that game. Honestly, Provadel really not challenging the game. Um, uh, the one player na- now the name escapes you from from Celtic, the Japanese international. He had a good chance, but other than that, it was all Lazio and Chile Mobile comes to the rescue, gets his brace, and uh, uh, good to see him. You know, getting results in Europe and getting Lazio the the qualification. So I mean, kudos to Lazio and, and qualifying and and doing what Milan couldn't. Hmm. Yep. So. We go to tomorrow's games. We've got Napoli at Real Madrid. We've got Inter who've already qualified. They're playing Benfica. Uh, is it Benfica? Yeah, it's Benfica. It's yeah. in Portugal yeah. against Benfica. So yeah. uh, Benfica have certainly motivation here as they're trying to uh, still maybe possibly wrestle away Europa League uh, from Salzburg. Uh, but Inter, as we see, Audero's going to start, and uh, I believe it was uh, Eduardo telling us Eduardo's going. Uh, Audero's going to start, 
as is Alexis Sanchez. So it's be rotation it's, for sure. So uh, so Inzaghi's going to flip this team a little bit. Let me ask you this: If you're Mazzotti, you got to go to the Bernabeu to play Real Madrid. You have a four point lead over Braga. Braga's at home against Union Berlin. Um, you get Braga at home on match day six. Do you take your chances with punting this game at the Bernabeu to be ready to play Inter? Uh, and then go ahead and just get what you need. Because even if you lose this game at the Bernabeu and Braga beat Union Berlin in Portugal, Braga is still a point behind Napoli, and it's only going to take a point for Napoli against Braga on match day six. Uh, you know, as long as they don't lose to Braga, they go through. So Napoli hold all the cards. I mean, it's just a very interesting question to ask here because it's a spot that Napoli's in. Do you want to put your best team out there to go for it against Real Madrid? Knowing that the consequences is you risk injuries, you wear guys out, you know, with, with Inter coming to the Maradona on Sunday. Very, very interesting questions uh, from Mitsadi to try to answer here very, very early in his tenure. Uh, if you were, so I'll put you guys in Mitsadi's shoes. What would you do? You know, you go first. Mitsadi? Well,. Would you play your best team? If you were Mitsadi, would you play your best team at Real Madrid, knowing you've got Inter coming up at the weekend? And knowing that you're still in second no matter what happens after tomorrow. I I, I get your points, but you know, you got to do what you got to do too, you know? Mm -hmm. Because if you lose with Real Madrid, uh, you risk more to lose the Champions League, uh, the position, right? So I answer you got to keep the top players, maybe do like a 50 50. To maintain both teams because you cannot put the, the smaller players <laughs> at him like Real Madrid. I know I it's not Madrid. Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, especially Mazzari, he just joined, so we cannot expect him to make a magic on Real yeah. Madrid because Angelotti, you can't underestimate him. So. Sure. Yeah, I I think um, it's interesting because we know Inter is going to rotate. Are they going to rotate 11 guys? Probably not, but they're going to rotate a good amount of guys, maybe some key players. Uh, and so, you know, their focus is on Napoli. Um, yes. I, I'm going to I'm gonna look at this, how we looked at the Azzurri going into all this, right? Yes, we when Azzurri played England, everyone wants, everyone wants us to play our best players, but, like, why? The results won't change, right? So, for me, they only get Real Madrid. Don't start with your best 11 because it's not going to change anything at the moment. You save your players. You got a big game against Napoli. What's 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 going to be the worst result? Getting, getting Losing in an embarrassing fashion to Real Madrid or losing embarrassingly to Inter? Losing to Inter. Losing at home. You are still yeah. trying to prove that you are a top four team. Um, with a lot of people... <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people saying that they're not going to do it, right, with Walter Mazzotti. Well, here's the perfect time to do it. Rest some players, the key players, and save up for Inter because Inter are waiting for them on Sunday or whatever they play. Uh, and so that's what I would do. If I was Walter Mazzotti, you, you, you make some rotations, save all yeah, save out of Italia, and, and save them for, for Inter because that is the biggest result at the moment. And then focus on Braga when you play them again because you're going to have if, – if Braga win, you'll have a one-point lead and just basically you win and you're in or you get a draw and you're in. So uh, that's what I would do. I, I would say forget Real Madrid. It's nice that they're super talented. You get tickets, but I'd focus on Inter for me at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Napoli, you don't want to lose at Napoli. Or else Napoli nobody get hurt. Wins. Nobody wants to get yeah, hurt. Yeah, that's what Pasquale is saying. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's pretty scary with these injuries. Yeah. Eric, uh, Eric's the Napoli fan, and if he's still with us, I'd love to hear his take on how yeah. 
he thinks Matsadi should approach the game at the Bernabeu tomorrow with Inter looming at the weekend. And I believe it's, isn't it Juventus following that? Isn't Napoli Juventus the following week? I think had, they do have a gauntlet. I, I remember, if I remember correctly, they do have a gauntlet. Let me, uh, I'll, I'll see if I can pull it while you guys are talking. Okay. Yeah, because I don't have the computer. I have the phone. I can check. Yes, yes they got Juventus after. Oh, yeah. boy. I just, I almost feel like punt this game. You're still going to be, because if Braga beat Union Berlin, which they probably are going to, um, it's still Napoli on seven points, Braga on six points on match day uh, five. You go to match day six, it's at the Maradona. A draw gets you through, okay, Um, and there's no harm done. Uh, So, you know, I think that, if I'm a manager and I'm trying to think long-term and I'm trying to think about sustaining my top four position right now is a priority. I, this game at the Bernabeu pales in importance to enter on Sunday, Juve following that. Then I can focus on Braga and mm-hmm. getting the result that I need to go through. It is a risk. It is a risk when you yeah, do it that yeah. way. But if, you know, it's it's just like Richard Richard makes an excellent point. We talked about this. You know, Spalletti played his best lineup against Malta because he wanted to make sure he got the three points. And then he rotated at England because he was like, we're probably going to lose this game. So, and, and I just need to be more worried about beating North Macedonia and getting a mm-hmm. result in Ukraine. So Spalletti did it exactly the way he wanted to do it to get Italy to the Euros. Um, and I, I see a similar approach that Mazzotti could take here. As much as Napoli fans would probably love to go to the Bernabeu and get a result, it might not be that important. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, in the grand scheme of things, so just something to just something you know, just something to keep an eye on as you're as you're looking at the game tomorrow and how uh, Napoli tend to you know look to approach that game. Okay, uh, so I'm just bringing up the uh, Europa League stuff. Let's preview that briefly. Oh, nice. Um, we've got, uh, let's see here. We've got Atalanta hosting Sporting Lisbon. Yep. Um, and then where's where's Roma? Is Roma away? Servette. You got Servette. I think they're away. I think okay. they're away. Yeah, they are. They're at Servette. And then Fiorentina's Conference League game. Um, Richard, you got it in front of you. Uh, they're they're playing. Uh, I just my, my screen's moving all over the place now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fiorentina are well. Uh, come on, this thing is playing games with me, man. Come on now. Uh, these computers, technology. Yeah. I tell you, folks. Technology. Uh, I'm old school. I can't stand it. <laughs> I had it, and then I lost it. I'll, I'll keep looking for it. But um, here it is. There it is. Okay, finally. Finally. Well, Roma. I mean, basically, here's the here's the permutations. Roma can take Roma. Just need a point at Servette, Although we think they're going to win, yeah. Uh, and they'll qualify for the next stage in the Europa League. Uh, Atalanta against Sporting. This is important for the simple fact that Atalanta would like to win this game to uh, lock up top of Group D and get the yep. bye yep. Uh, to the next stage of the. You know, so. So that's what that that's where that becomes important. I believe they've already qualified. They have head to head over Sturm Graz, um, who are sitting in third, and there's six points clear of them with two games to go. Uh, so it's Atalanta really wanting to focus on beating Sporting. Roma's going to go to Roma's going to go to Servette to win, which puts the burden on Slavia Prague against uh, Sheriff to to try to keep pace with them. 
Um, and then just, uh, you know, seeing how that unfolds. I, I, I expect Fiona Tina has gank. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that Atalanta sporting Lisbon game is going to be ridiculously exciting on yeah. Thursday because sporting's going to try to go for it. Atalanta is going to be able to counter them. Uh, I can see multiple goals in this game. I can see this game being a three-two kind of result. To be honest, um, I'm going to go for Atal- uh, I'm going to go for Atalanta to. I actually going to go for a draw here. I'm going to go two-two uh, because I think Sporting mm-hmm. has the attacking power to to score on Atalanta. I think Atalanta has the ability to keep pace, and Atalanta will go ahead and have that three-point advantage over Sporting Lisbon going into the last day and secure first when they go to rack off on the last uh, match day. That's that's where I stand there. Roma win here uh, at Servette, and then they'll come home and win on the final match day to win their group to secure a bye as well. That's how I see it going for the Europa League teams. Where are you guys at with it? Reno, what do you think? We team Roma and Atalanta? Yeah. Yeah, Roma oh. and Servette, uh, Atalanta hosting Sporting Lisbon. I've got draw for Sporting Atalanta Sports. Score draw for Atalanta Sporting Lisbon, and I've got Roma beating Servette. Um, maybe I can see Atalanta beating Sporting because okay. Europa League, uh, I've been seeing they've been playing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Roma, I give a 1 0 win against uh, Servette. I think they would do good. Like They have been up and down. But with Sporting, I think they can manage to beat at least two, let's say 2 0 for Atalanta. Because Atalanta, they have been playing good in the Europa League. At the Campionato, you know, it's up and down. But yeah. so I do like Atalanta as a team. I like Gasperini. But it's a hit or miss with that team. So, But I with think Europa, they're good. I think it'll be an interesting game because I think, you know, if you look ahead to the weekend, Atalanta has Torino. And so you could probably rotate in that game and do fine. And so I think going for it against Sporting, uh, a team that you're a direct rival in this group and you want to win the group yeah. and keep the lead, um, at least trying to get a draw in the game. So I think yeah, it'll be, yes, I, I, I see down. a draw. I see a draw, maybe like a 2-2 kind of game there with Atalanta. Or 1-0 maybe. Or yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. For uh, I, can, I can see the win for sure. Uh, and then the Roma game, it's interesting because I do believe with Sassuolo on the horizon that they're going to rotate, but I still think they're going to win the game against Servette uh, and continue to have that lead against, uh, uh, keep the, the pressure in their group going. Uh, but I think, I think Mourinho would want to have more of his guys, especially the defensive side of the ball against Sassuolo who can attack like crazy. And you want to be able to implement his, his game plan with the, mo- with the most of his players that he can as a, as from the starting lineup. So probably see some rotation, but I still see Roma winning that game. And, you know, even even looking ahead to the conference league with Fiorentina, they got a tough group. I mean, they're they're in the top at the moment, eight points, but the two second and third are six points each, and they're playing they're playing against Genk who have six points, and so they need to get a result here. And you know, yeah, they play Salernitana this weekend. Salernitana are a tough team, but I think you got to focus on getting getting qualified out of the group and and winning the group. Why not win the group? Because you want to lock up the top spot. Um, they're gonna have to. They have to come out and and try to get a result here. And so I think Fiorentina are gonna put all their eggs in that basket. And they do well in Europe. They just do. Uh, and so I think they're gonna find a way to get a narrow victory at home. I think the home crowd is gonna help them and get the one goal, mm-hmm. one goal advantage there. Yeah, I. You want to get that win over Gank at home. Yeah. On Thursday, because then it puts you five points clear of Gank. That puts you through to the next round as one of the top two teams, no matter where you finish. 
Um, you do not want to end up with a draw there and then having to go to Ferenc Varos on the last day uh, to get the results you need to go through. Um, uh, Ferenc Varos out of Hungary, that's a very tricky place to go and play, especially for for a team of Fiorentina's level. Mm. Um, And and Ferenc Varos has some attacking talent um, that could make life difficult. I don't think they defend particularly well, especially on the continent. Um, But it's yeah, Fiorentina. If they want to, if they want to qualify, just get it done here against Genk, um, and then you know, and then go from there. So, I, I think they'll do it. I think they'll win. I think it's going to be two one. I think Genk will get a goal just because I think Fiorentina defensively are are poor, um, yeah. but um, but I think two one. So I got two two for Atalanta Sporting. I got Roma. I'm going to go two nil Roma. It's going to be a classic Mourinho game where they're just going <laughs> to they're going to get one. They're going to defend and then they're going to get a second one. Roma fans are going to be aggravated because it's Servette and they should score five and they're not going to. Um, and then I think Fiorentina are going to outlast. Yep. With yep. Mourinho Allegri, I always say it all the time. Allegri and Mourinho, they're they're a son of the type of soccer that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. As we see in Italian. Sure. Yeah, I feel the uncaccio can only exist to you. It's it's easy to explain Italian exactly. in English, but I, I'm pretty sure you understand what I said. Exactly. Nope. Definitely. Oh, Definitely. Beautiful. Okay, so moving on. Uh Italy is going back to the Euros. Uh, they qualified after beating North Macedonia 5-2 and then playing to a nil-nil draw at Ukraine. Uh, they qualified directly for Euro 2024. Um, they're going to be in pot four uh, for the uh, draw. So uh, to give some perspective, and I'm just trying to pull up the pots here. Um <laughs> I know yes. everybody wants Germany for the Azzurri because they're like Germany hasn't been Germany's not what they used to be, and so you don't want to have one of the powerhouses. No, they're not. Like, I want to be too worried about Germany. Yeah. So Italy cannot be drawn with Serbia and Switzerland. They're in pot four with Italy. Yeah, <laughs> and then the three playoff winners. Um, so you could have a group of France, Denmark, Netherlands, Italy. Um, you know, I think that would be the nightmare draw. I think the dream draw would be Germany, Albania, (laughs) uh, Slovenia, Germany, Albania, Slovenia, Italy would probably be the dream draw for the Azzurri. Yeah. Um, uh, based on how these pots are organized, pot one, the seeded teams are Germany, Portugal, France, Spain, Belgium, England. Uh, pot two, Hungary, Turkey, Romania, Denmark, Albania, Austria. Uh, pot three, Netherlands, Scotland, Croatia, Slovenia, Slovakia, and Czech Republic. You got to feel, pot- you got to feel as a defending champions that they're probably going to get one of the more difficult groups. It just, it's going to fall that way magically, you know, where they get a France or a Netherlands and or Denmark in their group. You're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. So, I think out of the seeded teams in pot one, um, I would say, you know, I mean, but Germany being the host is not going to be, is not going to be easy either. Sure. I'll argue that Belgium would be fine. Belgium would suit Italy. 
Um, they're going to be familiar with a lot of the players on that team. Sure. Um, and it's not as strong a Belgium as it has been in years past. Though Lukaku's been scoring under Tedesco. So, sure. You know, you know. Sure. Sure. When you look at pot two, yeah, I, I mean, you're looking at Hungary, Turkey, Romania, Denmark, Albania, Austria. No reason to think Italy can't play with any of them. Um, uh, so you'd prefer Albania. They're going to know a lot of those players. Um, Austria has played better under Ranić. Yeah. Um, Romania have some good young players in their setup. Turkey have some talent. Hungary, you know, Shobosly, you know, who kind of yeah. leads the way there. Um, and then pot three, you're just trying to avoid Netherlands, I think. Um, and to an extent, Croatia. After that, I think he, they'd be happy with seeing Scotland, Slovenia, Slovakia, or even Czech Republic at this point. That's my opinion, at least, as far as if you're Italy, who do you, who do you want to draw? Who do you want to avoid? What do you guys think? I mean, I'm with you. I think those teams that you said that the dream scenario and the worst case scenario, that's that's what you want is a dream scenario. Uh, that's a, of all those teams, those are the probably teams you probably would favor to hope that they get, if not all of them, you know, most of those teams. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the teams you said you want to avoid are the, are the are the teams you want to avoid. They are some good teams, and I don't think the Azzurri presently can can keep with, keep up with those teams. Sure, Reno. Anybody that you would love to see in the first round that. Well, I kind of agree with you guys because you don't want to go against uh, uh, friends and those all those players. Like, I definitely yeah. I agree with you. Like, I I wouldn't mind see competition even even if we go against friends. But you know, I think the Azzurri need to still we're good, but with Spalletti, you know, take take their time, right? Because you don't want them to be so uh, stressed out at the first round. Then, so when yeah. when is when does Euros begin? Summer, right? Yeah, summer. So we got roughly six months until it happens. Spalletti kind of got the shaft, meaning he got last minute thrown into the mix here. And he just had to piece the team together and hope they qualify, which they did. Now he has six months to kind of mold this team to play, understand his system. I believe we'll see a much much improved team come the Euros compared to now. Um, can they compete with the top teams in the world? I don't know. We have to see how the yeah, defense works out. We'll have yeah, to see. Injuries. But we're going to yeah. look much better than we had. We may look more like Macedonia game than we did you know, in the other games, but uh, I, I expect a much improved team, everyone understanding better what Spalletti can and can't do uh, by the time Euros comes around. I think the reasonable success would be last eight, considering mm-hmm. what Italy have been through uh, in recent years. Um you know, so I think if they could reach the quarterfinals of this competition and put themselves among the best eight uh, remaining, yeah. they're going to find themselves in some pretty good company. And I think after that, they'd be playing with house money. Yeah. I just, I'm that, you know, I'd love to see them win it all again. Uh, but I have to be realistic about where they are right now as a, as a national team. Um, and he's going to have to lead the way. He's going to exactly, have to. Exactly. Yeah. Let's hope he doesn't get injured. Yeah, yeah, it's been good recently, so let's keep it that way. Yeah. And the fitness is a big part of it. You never know what what's available to you by the time we get to summer. There's a lot of there's a lot of football to be played, club and country, between now and the time we get there. 
Well, let me let me yes. ask this question. Go ahead, Reno. You first. Oh, sorry, I so Speaking about that, because I just heard in Australia they're doing like a little tournament, the Serie A teams. Then the one in North America. So I don't know when they do the uh, how you call it uh, the European thing. Hopefully, everybody gets it uh, okay, not injured, because we're also la fine del mondo for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So my too, my, too question, my question my question for you guys is with the Azzurri. Who do you think has to lead the way for a successful campaign for the Azzurri? Uh, so, so Reno, uh, of the of the players on the team right now, you know we don't know who's going to get called up later, but the team that we saw against Macedonia and and Ukraine, even England, of those players, who do you think has to be the leaders of this team if we have to be successful going in Euros? Has to be a leader, hmm. meaning meaning getting goals, getting being the stars of the team. I think uh, uh, maybe Chiesa. Yeah, he's been grinding. Uh, we saw with the Macedonian company. Yeah, but maybe we can put Di Marco. Yeah, yeah, but Barella. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's that's a bastone. I think for me, it's still early, but anybody else? No, I think those three could be good. <laughs> I think we need. I think. I think. I think if it's if it's if Spalletti's playing four three three, I think the Regista position needs to be sorted out. Yeah. Um, mm. It shouldn't be Cristante. No, um, I agree with and you. <laughs> and it shouldn't be. And it shouldn't be Jorginho. No. Um, someone has to emerge now. Do. Do they go to Locatelli in that role and try to figure out how to make it similar to what's required of him in that role when he does it for Juventus? Um, you know, uh, I think that's a huge, huge part of how this Italy team is going to function. Um, yeah. And uh, so I think that hits, has to get solved. A lot of people are going to say the striker. Um, I mean, I think the striker needs to be, I mean, in, I'm not as concerned about the striker with Luciano Spalletti managed teams because strikers are they score goals to get with the teams. Strikers excel under Spalletti. Yeah. Okay, so whether it's Raspadori, whether they you know Immobile finds some magic goal scoring form and he can be trusted again, uh, I don't think we Skamaka, um, you know. Fine, you know, I'm not, I'm not that can that, that position does not concern me as much with Spalletti at the helm, yeah. Um, so, uh, so but th- th- that regista, the, the regista role has to get solved, I agree. Um, yeah. And that's going to be Spalletti's biggest challenge over the next several months. I, I think for me, obviously, Chiesa is going to have to be top of his game, right? But I, 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 I tend to agree with you with the midfield is that I mean, I if Verratti is available and healthy, I don't know if he is or not. But you know, maybe having a Verratti mm. as a regista and a Pellegrini in in his role with Barella, because Barella is going to have to be world class, and then having Verratti and Pellegrini in some fashion finding a way to mix it in the midfield with a four-two-three that could work. I mean, I think Di Lorenzo and Di Marco, if Di Marco gets a start, 
over Spinazzola will be the would be a key because those two have to be phenomenal defensively and yeah. offensively. But it's all about the midfield. You control that midfield, you can play with most teams in the world. Um, and I think with Chiesa and you know Raspadori out there, they can find a way to get the striker some goals if Raspadori is not the striker. But that midfield has to be the one that leads into victory. We know when Barella's top of his game, the team is good. But you got to have yeah. a, a compliment. And if Verratti and Pellegrini can be those guys, great. But those would be the best case scenario. But, I mean, Locatelli, maybe. I don't know. It can't be Jorginho and it can't be Cristiano. No, Jorginho, no. But Verratti, I don't think he will can join because he's at uh, Saudi. So, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. He's playing with the Saudis, right? I like Verratti. He is my paisan. He's from Abruzzo, close to me. So, hmm. But I don't know because he's at the Saudis. So, I don't know if they can call him up. Is Alberto so, the only one worried about the center backs? <laughs> he is. Because yes, we have issues with Juventus. <laughs> Fratesi is a good one. Good, good shot too. Um, Fratesi, yes. Center backs are... I think if we have a good midfield, it would mask the defensive issues we have. Um, I mean, I think Acherby has been better lately in the last, couple, in the last year or two, especially under Inter. Um, I'm going to say it, and we're not going to rely on him at the Euros, but Buongiorno was good. Against yeah. Ukraine, I was he had impressed. that sloppy foul that got him the yellow card early on in the game. But he and then after back. that, he settled in. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So Buongiorno is good. Scalvini like needs, needs some more pitch time to see what, what he can be, be made out of. Right, uh, Bastoni, when he's good, he's good. But what you know, we've seen when he's bad, he's bad as well. And so finding as a leader, good... I don't see Bastoni. There's still lots. Like he's a good uh, player, but I don't think because he's used to with the three position, maybe. So we'll see. But. Mm. As a leader, I don't know. Still, I think Bastoni's adjusted though when when asked. So, yeah, okay, um, sure. Now, am I am I being Lucifer here by saying I would almost rather not have Donnarumma? He's world class. He makes world class reaction saves, <laughs> but he makes buffoonery mistakes, and you're like, what are you Still doing? Mistakes. And it costs the team goals, and I would almost, you know, I. Obviously, he's number one right now, but you know, see how a Moret or a Provadel or Vicario are doing as we get closer, and then make that question. I, I think Spalletti would make that choice if he had to. I don't think he's married to Donnarumma. Um, no, <laughs> Donnarumma's mistakes is like that worries me. Your you, team could play phenomenal in front of him. He makes one simple bad mistake, and boom, you're down one nothing, two nothing, whatever, and it costs you the team a game. So, am I am I crazy for thinking that maybe Donnarumma shouldn't be a lock in his position? No, you're no, not. I agree with you. <laughs> you're not. Um, you know, here's the thing. You, you just named a whole bunch of goalkeepers, and I can't pick the one that I trust back there with the ball at his feet if we want to keep the ball. Yeah. Um, and when, you know, if and when we get, if and when we get pressed. Um, that's the problem. I don't think we have a goalkeeper who's good with his, with the ball at his feet. Fair. In certain situations, when pressing comes up, and now Donald is a disaster at it. Um, he has had some blunders, yeah. uh, you know, when asked to do that. He's like Bartez. Um, Remember Bartez with France? <laughs> Same blunders galore. Sure, sure. So I think it's just going to have to be Donald by default because I don't think anyone else that are available to Italy have done enough to overtake Donald Yeah. So. That just that's just where I fall. I, I definitely not merit. I don't think. Yeah. Um, 
I liked Vicario when he started off at Tottenham Hotspur. I think that Vicario right now is just a victim of Tottenham Hotspur having nobody. At the, I mean, you did Milan have an injury crisis. Tottenham have an injury crisis. And they're still trying to play yeah. the same way. <laughs> and they're getting their ass kicked. Um, I'd love to see Provadel so, emerge. I'd love to see Provadel emerge, honestly. that's You know, I would too. I mean, he had a great game today against Celtic. He made four big four saves. He, he helped preserve a clean sheet. Um, In Champions, he's good. Trigagorios yeah. also, he's, he's been playing well this year too, so... Yep. Hmm. So, you know, Karnasecki's too young. Karnasecki's too young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but uh, I, I, you know, it's Donnarumma by default, you know, yeah. now that we've talked through the goalkeepers. Yep. So, yep. so, all right. I, like I said, I think, I think, I think last eight is reasonable is a reasonable expectation for Italy uh, for the Euros. Where, where, what do you guys think? Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. I think anything else you're playing with house money. Yep. Same. I agree with okay. you guys. Okay. No, well, that was our Italy rundown. We have gotten through it all, man. We we we, we yeah. have time for who won Calcio Twitter? Are we ready? Are we ready for the world's most popular hashtag game? Let's do it. Let's do it. Reno, you get to get your cherry popped with this. So sit back and enjoy. You can help us pick the winner. Uh, starting okay. off first, uh, Dieter nominated Nick Diani, and it says Nyonto in the English Championship on the left versus with the U21 Alter Boys. <laughs> he just dominates when he's with the U21s. Uh, it's pretty funny there. <laughs> All right. So I nominated uh, Napoli Sansone, who has been a repeat winner through the years uh, <laughs> of who won Calcio Twitter. Twitter. And uh, this was his, his, his starting 11 for the Azzurri against uh, North Macedonia. Unbiased and proper. Let's ride. So in goal is Milan's worst nightmare. Uh, right back Capitano, right center back no idea, left center back guy who looks sixty, left left back cross guy, Magista Brazilian guy, uh, other midfielders whoever isn't banned for gambling and hairline guy, uh, up top short Napoli guy, tall guy with or tall subbed by tall guy with tattoos and flanked by underrated Napoli guy and big nose smelly Juve guy. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Napoli says, well, I guess he's leading the clubhouse by default. Uh, All right, moving on. Uh, We got Wayne Gerard. Let me turn the volume up here. Uh, And so this is uh, Dutch Politician Sings a Club club Song of AS Roma Live on Dutch TV. They're looking at him like, what? What's going on? (laughs) He's like, what's going on here? <laughs> oh, there you go. Wayne Gerard with that find there. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Sevilla FC underscore English, um, uh, nominated by Richard. Things the international break does to people. <laughs> Snoop Dogg said, I've given up smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we like that. We like that. All right. Uh, next in, it's a uh, Jan summer season, and so it's uh, Italy is carried by Juve. And so that penalty looked that, that looked like a penalty of first viewing, and it's there. You go. It's uh, I don't even know play. Oh, this is the Ukraine game. I guess Mergic. Yeah, yeah they created a famous penalty. They're all calling about Mamma Mia. Very controversial <laughs> play that'll be talked about almost as much as that France uh, Ireland uh, fiasco. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah the uh, Thierry Henry handball. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bravo. 
Uh, mm-hmm. uh, at Patty Power, uh, fair play to you for allowing a bloke they found in, in a Macedonian pub to referee a qualifier. <laughs> Everyone was furious at the Mudrik call. Everyone was furious about that. Uh, moving on, Daniel Lucci says, uh, guys, there's a sniper in the building. Barella is down. Barella is down. Call the paramedics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that one. Oh, well, there you go. Was that the... Uh, Lisi nominated that one. Which one did Lisi nominate? Daniel Lucci. Oh, you skipped a couple. I've got a couple yeah, other ones here. Well, go ahead. All right, so I've got... Uh, we nominated our friend Nima. Uh, so this is how it feels to be a Juventus fan, huh? And it was... Uh, uh, oh, I don't have that either. Somebody with a bot account, I think. Ukraine robbed. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, man. <laughs> I did see that. I did see that. <laughs> And then uh, we also nominated uh, uh, Artuno Morelli um, and uh, JFK of Virginia was the shooter. Still alive. <laughs> oh, that's good. Living uh, out his years. Uh, Scott Monroe had the nomination on this one. So uh, Lega Serie A, talking about Camarda again, his uh, debut at 15 years old, and he, they completely botched the – uh, years and months and days, and Scott's like, you had one job. You got his age wrong. How lazy and poor are, is this from Lega Serie's English account, which has been notoriously terrible? Yeah, they have. They absolutely have. Okay, so Sabrina is uh, our friend. Sabrina is is nominating Milan club Dublin Serie. A sit down. Stop the count. This is your winner. Uh, so her reply, and that was uh, uh, Milan club Dublin. We're ready for Milan Dortmund. What about that tattoo on your chest? Doesn't it say "Die Pioli Die"? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Italian for "Go Pioli Go." <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right, uh, that's that's all I got. Do you have any other ones, Frank? That I'm missing? Nope, we are all we right. are good. Uh, so, um, Reno, as our guest, we're going to let you do the honors of picking the winner of the ones picking you saw. Winner. Which is the funniest one to you? And now to remember, which is the funniest one. Uh, I said the the Lucci one. Daniel Lucci. Of course, he's going to pick a Juventino, Juventino there. No, that's a funny oh. one. Uh, <laughs> guys, are sniping the building. Brella's down. Brella's down. Call the paramedics. Yeah, I can't remember all of them, but yeah, I picked that one. I, I, I know his name. So yeah, I picked that one. Yeah, uh, Richard, you'll have to retweet that one for uh, for right. the people. I, I can't do. seem to find that on my feed. So we'll do. We'll do. Uh, All right. So Lucci is the uh, is the winner. Um, uh, as as chosen by Reno and endorsed by Luciano Moji. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I need credit for that, Lucci, if you hear me. So. <laughs> Blank check, blank check. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, so um, as Richard is uh, typing that, uh, Reno, this is your chance. Floor is yours. Anything that you want to uh, plug for our listeners? After all we said, or yeah, oh. I, I, what do you want to promote? Uh, anything that you're doing? You say you have a YouTube oh, channel. Myself? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't oh, understand. Yours. Well, I have a YouTube channel. It's called Kachu with Reno Zed. You can follow me on YouTube. Then I have on Instagram, Kachu with Reno Zed, on Twitter as well. I'm a, I'm on TikTok as too, as well as too. So, but we, 
Nice if all of you can follow me on uh, YouTube. And we can follow. Where can they follow you on Twitter, uh, Reno? Uh, catch you with Reno. I think you have me. Or you should look Reno Zaurini. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I think I think you have me, Frank. I, I have you too. I always tag you guys through my videos. I know. We just want we want you to plug your so other people can hit, follow you. Yeah, oh, okay. We'll, we'll, oh, share, we'll, we'll share your yep. handle. Okay, so, so at, 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 yeah, okay, so folks, so that is at Zarini Reno. Uh, hey, bravo, yes. <laughs> at Z A U R R I N I R I N O. So that's right. Thank you. Then on YouTube. Well, so while you we well while we're doing that, also um, I want to give a shout out. We want to give a shout out to the uh, the Leche fan club uh, out of UK. We did we it. Did that all, we did that already. We'll do it again. I'm not plugging them twice. Well, you, <laughs> this is because you left you down out of your top five. So that's that's right. you, I got to make amends, and so I am plugging amends. them once again. <laughs> follow them on Instagram. Great follow. Great group of guys. Like I said, we're gonna uh, you'll see the interview here in a couple of days. Posting on our YouTube page. Uh, but just want to plug them again to thank them for giving us uh, some time to interview them uh, this weekend. So, poor guy scores a belter with his weaker foot, and you can't put him in the top five. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so with that in mind, folks, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Syria Sit Down. We have our own po- channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, mm-hmm. wherever there is podcasts. There is Syria Sit Down at Syria wow. Sit Down on Twitter. Or Instagram, uh, and uh, also on Facebook. Uh, check us out there. That's where the socials are. I'm at FTC underscore 21. Richard is at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. If you want to follow us individually, uh, that's where you can find us. Um, uh, here on the YouTube channel, if you are watching this for the first time and you enjoyed the experience and want to see more of it, uh, please subscribe, uh, hit that subscribe button, subscribe to the channel. Um, please drop a like that means a lot to us too. And then hit that notification bell because that will tell you when we're live. Uh, it's generally Tuesday nights, 9 PM Eastern, unless we advise otherwise through the, uh, Twitter space mainly. Um, so, uh, hashtag who won Calcio Twitter. If you have a nomination that is funny and culture related, Try not to be offensive. If you are, we're not going to read it. Um, so uh, we want to just want to keep it somewhat civil, but we also want to we also want to have a good laugh at the same time. Uh, so that's if you uh, are interested in that. I really should should make that comment after we're done with the one culture Twitter segment, and not do it now. But anyway, um, <laughs> you live, you learn. Yep, we live and learn. That's we, we don't get paid to do this, so we can. I guess we can say whenever we want. I guess it shows. Uh, I am Pasquale. Welcome aboard. Thank you for uh, uh, for dropping that like and thank you for subscribing. Welcome yeah, he's to- one of my paisans. He's from Toronto, so Beautiful. wonderful. Beautiful. Wonderful. Yeah. He enjoyed Great. it. It seems like so. I appreciate that. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, Richard, let's do this again next Tuesday night. Let's do it. 9 p.m. Eastern. Reno, thank you very much for uh, joining us for your first cap. Let's uh, let's let's make your second cap not too far away. Yeah, then I have you guys on my show too as well. And Beautiful. thank you very much for uh, letting me come. It was a, a great life. I really appreciate it. We'd love to have it. And then the chat to the chat. Awesome, awesome as always. You Congrats. guys came through big time. Uh, excellent, uh, excellent stuff and excellent takes from some of you that we were able to read and respond to. So that'll do it 
for this edition of City I Sit Down. Uh, for Reno, for Richard, I'm Frank. Please be sure you're telling your paisans about us. Ciao.